Hey everybody, I'm Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy. Welcome to my Outstanding Life podcast. Before we get things kicked off today, I've been um, people have been asking me, Johnny D, how can we follow you on social media? Listen, all you have to do is go to my website, go to motivationalcowboy.com, and there is a list of all of my social media that you can follow me at. Again, motivationalcowboy.com. Also, I've been asked, Johnny D, we've missed a show here, we've missed a show there. How can we go back and watch your shows? NRM Streamcast made it super easy. All you have to do is go to nrmstreamcast.com, search Motivational Cowboy, and then all of my shows will pop up on one page. That's right, you can binge watch for hours. Again, all my social media stuff is on my website, Motivational Cowboy as well as you can watch all of my past shows right here on NRM Streamcast. Just go to their website and then punch in Motivational Cowboy. Now, you know that I've talked about living the outstanding life and I find people that live their outstanding life. And this man that's gonna be on my show today is no different than anybody else. This man is definitely living his outstanding life. This has traveled the world playing music. That's right. I mean, he is an incredible father. He's an incredible, he's an incredible uh, husband. I mean, just a great all-around guy. And I, I'm so excited to have him on my show today. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Mr. Riley Anglin, otherwise known as Rowdy. What is going on, buddy? How's it going? No, man. Hey, I'm so sorry if uh, the signal's a little there. Yeah. It's all What's right. That? I can see you great, man. Hey, listen, Rowdy, man, I only okay, have good. 50 minutes with you, and I, I, I'm going to kick things off by asking you this. I want to know what Riley was like when he was a kid. Oh, wow, that's an awesome question. Um, <laughs> my mom's here. Honestly, I could I could just bring her in here to tell you, but um, – I was raised uh, in East Tennessee, Bristol, Tennessee, and uh, with the middle brother uh, to an older brother, younger brother, and of course, a younger sister. Um, and honestly, I, growing up as a man, I, I was the peacemaker. You know, um, we we all had to uh, we we worked together, I guess, as, as a team. You know, they called it we called ourselves the Anglin Tribe, um, but we. <laughs> We most definitely like worked together. I guess we played together. We 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 ran the town together. But I think more than anything, we just always kept ourselves just happy. Kept ourselves busy. We played outside in the woods, right there behind my house a lot. Um, and grew up in a Baptist church uh, where you know music and. Um, family community was just the central, um, sort of the, the, hub of what we believed in, um, our faith. And of course, uh, but I think more than anything, what I took away from just kind of leaned into my brother's wisdom and he just, he always took the time. He, he kind of had a radical story growing up. He, he was a, uh, a, a kid that kind of ran away from home, ran the railroads, um, he actually was known to run uh, when his in his younger years run you know run moonshine uh, for for some local uh, dealers there in East Tennessee. Um, and so you could say that he was 
sort of part of the whole NASCAR <laughs> uh, scene early <laughs> on. Um, but he he sort of came, I guess. I guess he came to his after he heads and and he sort of those the magical moment um, uh, that kind of brought him to a place of understanding that this life is bigger than just uh, you know what he was doing and he may have been having fun but his family and raising kids was what it's all about and and I don't know he kind of instilled in us that you know just speak always speak always live always make the best decisions from the heart. Um, and like I said, the church went to all, all my uncles and aunts, we, they were all musical and they're all part of like little gospel outfits and they traveled the South. And, uh, so it, it was really musical. Um, my dad was a mechanic, so it was really cool. Um, farm country. So it was very agriculture. So as good, good living learn boy as it was, I guess, um, a great school, <laughs> went to great school friends. Um, as everybody's parents kind of co-raised you, you know, it's like it took a village, I guess. So, yeah. And and growing up right near Bristol Motor Speedway, that was really cool just to always um, be, be a part of what was going on with the race scene, the race community. Even though my dad was yeah. always up in arms about it, going, what's so good about turning left all the time, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, being raised in East Tennessee around, around, you know, great, great, uh, fishing and hunting, um, love driving, you know, the big mud kind of thing. My dad felt like I was sort of the, the, the known for having the most vehicles going through high school. Cause dad just fixed up a clunker just to get us by. And I would find some way to either ramp it or do donuts in it. <laughs> uh, run the mountain roads in it, going really fast. Um, so yeah, I mean, Riley, my childhood when- was was fantastic, and, and like I said, it was always always about music and the outdoors and and family. Riley, when did you know that you loved music? That you wanted to get into music? Like, when? At what age did you know that? You know what, music? I'm I'm really liking this music thing. I kind of lost you a little bit there. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. You don't no, 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 no. When did you know that you wanted to do music, that you loved music? I know you said your family was into music, but when did you pick up a guitar or a bass or, or, or you know, got behind a set of a, you know, drum set and start playing? Um, you know, I think listening to the radio, traveling around with my grandfather, he he had a, a AM radio in in one of his vehicles, and and man, Western music, um, but at the same time, they they didn't give in to necessarily the the, the secular country Western. It was always about the the gospel uh, side of things. So when Hank Williams took on the alias, um, it most definitely was. A, a way for them to, to sort of enjoy something that they tried to st- stay away from. And, and it was a little bit, everything was a little bit more um, strict, I guess you could say, uh, you know, legalistic. Um, and we would listen to a lot of old Hank Williams, Luke and the Drifters, a lot of Southern gospel, but my mom, she loved just country music, you know, eighties and nineties country music. And, and she's actually here 
uh, for this next month, hanging out with us and, and the kids and enjoying the summer off of, uh, she's a school teacher, so she's enjoying the summer off. Um, but just driving around with her, um, we, we listen, Alan Jackson, George, Michael Parton, Kenny Rogers. Like, I mean, we could go on, the list goes on and on. And I just, my younger brother took a, a loving to, um, country music and, and just, just kind of leaning into that. And then when I drove around with my, it was more clock, uh, rock and roll, um, more uh, uh, up the alley of ACDC, uh, you know, ELO, um, Steve Miller band. Uh, I mean, once again, this could go on and on and on. And, you know, I feel like those influences kind of, mesh together they kind of they kind of gel together to create this this cosm that that allowed me to want to just want to express music in the same way and i i kind of picked up singing was sort of the first instrument and then after that it was less just gravitating to the the guitar and i had a couple of friends in high school we picked up guitar sort of at the same time and we started you know, going over to one, you know, if their parents would allow us to, um, we would go over to their, you know, in their bedroom, set up a full drum kit, <laughs> set up, a, a, you know, our bass amp and guitar amps and turn it up as loud as we could until they kicked us out. And then, you know, if we couldn't get <laughs> one friend's house, we'd try the next friend's house the next time we wanted to. And it only took one time with my, with mom and dad, though. I don't want um, for for them to be like no more. Um, so <laughs> so yeah, I just I kind of picked leaned into the bass guitar because um, there was already a guy playing a guitar and there was a guy playing drums. So bass guitar was sort of the the instrument that kind of dialed me in to learning how to be rhythmic. You know, like how to play rhythm and, and the different timbre of of different instruments kind of started there. And and the church too group I was involved with and the, my best friends um, honestly they they all played instruments and we kind of just like I said we gelled and we created this this little band this little outfit and then we started kind of messing around with covering songs I think our, my high school talent show not TV lead and, and my other best friends were all in the band and um, it was great. And, and like I said, I've kind of always leaned towards the more rhythm side of comp composing music. So bass and drums have always been this thing. I leave the drumming up to my buddy, Aaron Gillespie or my other buddy, Tucker Wilson. Um, but as far as playing bass, that's, that's what I've kind of always grounded from. And, you know, no pun intended on that as far as it being the, the <laughs> base of things, but, um, yeah, I, I, bass, I still I still play bass. Uh, I, I'm part of a band called The Almost with my buddy Aaron Gillespie, and and we write songs together. and And uh, I play I play bass in that band. Um, and of course, projects. I live north of Nashville. There's lots of friends with projects. Sometimes I'll go play, uh, go, go thumb a little bit of bass for them. Hey, Riley, let me ask you this. Now, now you had your own career going. You wanted to, I'm sure you were like every other young man that wanted to be, you know, a country music star, a rock star. But instead, you gave up your career to go on tour with other bands. Talk a little bit about, you know, you giving up 
your solo career to go on on tour with people like Under Oath and in big bands like that. Yeah, so um, I wouldn't say I gave it up. Uh, I actually, it's it's really cool to be able to talk about this. And and I, another podcast, Greg Stump with Off Axis was able to kind of maybe dabble a little bit into um, talking about that. But that's a good question, and I appreciate you asking that. So never was giving up on it. So I just, my wife and I, we in Nashville in two thousand and 12, 13, 2012, 2013. And I'd been working in and out of Nashville, um, already working with other bands. I, I tour managed a band called the showdown, uh, worked with those guys for a long time. And before that, like I said, I was in my own outfit with some boys that, you know, we, like I said, we went to high school together and, and we sort of took, you know, the, the, the music room in a church and turned it into a little bit of a, a rock and roll gig you know <laughs> we, turn, we turned it into our own little rock and roll gig until they and they kicked us out um but i went from that us 17 um you know touring the united states uh playing rock and roll and it was amazing it was a great start career and kind of you know started writing my own music and my some of my buddies in the band I was in they wanted to kind of go one direction and and I kind of knew I wanted to 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 do build something different I wanted to do something different and I I kind of took a liking to the local scene that was happening in there in East Tennessee it was a kind of a, a head rock scene and it, although I was playing like rock and roll and 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 you know played my own stuff country music and, and storytelling music I was I was hanging out with some boys from Bethan Tennessee at the showdown and they struck a record deal and we're starting to travel and I just recently just kind of wanted to do something different I wanted to do something bigger than just play local gigs you know um, and, and even though I was traveling across the U S with this outfit, um, uh, playing bass and, and it was really cool. I just, there was something else I wanted to, I wanted to play bigger places. I wanted to be a part of something that was happening bigger and, and really get my, my feet settled into the music industry. So I kind of stepped out of that band and started working for the showdown. I started tour managing these guys and they're heavy metal. Um, their, their litter, their four on the floor, heavy metal, their motto was get snake bit. Um, so they were the, like Pantera, uh, some older Metallica. Um, and if you know many of the other metal bands, uh, it's, you know, corrosion of conformity, I can talk about the band called down. Um, you know, they were a heavy band. Uh, they, they allowed me to come and be a part of what they had going on. And I just, just took on the responsibility of, of sort of keeping the books. Um, they didn't need another band member. They just, they wanted, they needed someone to help, uh, manage, help do production, help the amps, cars, make sure everything worked all right. They broke a record deal and they were going to play these big festivals and sort of the highlight, the, the big highlight of the career was playing Ozfest in 2007 and uh, getting to open up yep. for Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and that was fantastic. We had such a good time. Um, and you know, that's where the endorsements started coming in and, and big, you know, went from a van to a tour bus and, and it was, you know, the tours kept growing and, and the band kept growing. 
Um, and all this time, the boy that I was hanging out with in the showdown, one of my good buddies, Travis, we started writing songs together then. Kind of always leaned into the lifestyle of songwriting. Um, if, if I can touch it and feel it, breathe, um, kind of like just be raw and me to really like put it in a song and want to talk about it or sing about it. I, I've never been one to sit around a table collectively with a cup of coffee and, and try to come up with the next clever line of a song. Like I'm trying to go get my hands in the dirt. I'm trying to like feel my knees and my back aching a bit from the real life that I've lived and put that in a song. Cause I know people <laughs> gravitate to authenticity more so than just pandering on a a figure or a, 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 a apparition of an idea like happening. And, and I know a lot of music today leans into that and that's sort of the industry. And that's fine. People can like that. It's, it's, it's you know, everybody has a taste of music. Um, me, myself, if I'm going to write a song, it has to be about the things that, like I said, I've touched, I've seen, I've against, and it like brings more of that visceral aspect of, of songwriting. So being out on the road, always been my writing room, it, the, the front windshield, like the biggest TV screen you can have windshield of a tour bus watching the blow by, you know, and, and, and blinds on the highway from state to state and different towns and meeting all different types of people from all different walks of life and respecting their culture and, and where they come from. You know, you can fit Europe inside the United States almost twice. And yet, you know, us being one country, you know, we're, we're, we're considered, under, you know, one nation, but there's so much diversity within this one nation. And that's just always made me hungry to just learn about culture more and experience more and, and listen to people's stories and their way of life and what they've seen, what they've felt, what they've, what they've, you know, had their hands in. And, um, and that just kept me going, even though we would play an hour sort of is what gave the paycheck. Um, we were spending the rest of the 16 some hours going out and hanging out with people, learning about, you know, just, you know, obviously not necessarily intentionally for songwriting purposes, but we were just social people. We just wanted to get to make a community, make a brotherhood, a sister out of meeting all these people out on the road. And so songwriting never stopped. And and I might have set, you know, pushing my own name forward or or building a brand of it to the side for it to kind of be the little brother and, and sort of lean in brother of that, which is paying the bills, you know, kind of watch how it's being done. And that's been going on all the way up to today and working with the band under oath. Um, but I never once set my own things to, I never set them so much to the side that they, that were put on pause or, or that they stopped. It just kept going no matter what. So after Ozfest 2007, Chris Dudley from Under Oath gives me a phone call after we met at a, a music festival. I think the showdown played at an earlier time in the day at a festival and Under Oath headlined it. And he's, he was good friends with Dave Button, the lead singer of the showdown. And, and Chris just called me up. I remember I was putting drywall, or hanging drywall house in East Tennessee that was chalet it was like a a, a 10 sided like 10 sided <laughs> ocular shaped house you can imagine if you know anything about drywall the joints <laughs> are where the money is at and you can That's imagine right. 10 different 10 different sides <laughs> so that's you know one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven 
you're talking, you know, 13, 14, you know, different angles in each bedroom. How do you make sense of what a shape of bedroom is? So we, I'm just pulling my hair out because there's just no do. And the owner of the house was just not satisfied. I was month I wall. So it was over a summer. And she gives me a phone call and says, your phone, no phone number from Davey Bunton. Um, what are you doing this fall? And I was just like, anything but this, man. Um, <laughs> and he just, uh, he obliged and said, we want to hire you to hire you to come out with us. And, uh, and uh, super sweet. And that was my first gig with Under Oath. And they were already on their way. They had put out Chasing Safety, which was a record that came out in 2003. And those guys, they the way they pioneered a style of music and everybody respected them. I didn't listen to their music. Now, remember, I'm like, I like ACDC. I like Alabama. I like Alan Jackson. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm listening to, uh, uh, you know, for bad company and that's my, that's my pace. And, and, and that, that's what really gets me going. But what, it's cool because once again, I'm learning. I'm learning the, what it's like to be a part of a large production, things that I could apply, you know, to my own, you know, uh, understanding and experience, you know, down the road. And I knew it was, there, were, there would always come a time I just was patient for it, you know. Um, and they hired me out. And that's when I really became good buddies with Aaron Gillespie. And he said, you know, I was driving 14 hours sometimes a night. Uh, all the gear. I drove the truck ahead of the bus, and when I get to the venue, drop off the the truck at the venue, and then the venue would unload it, and I would go to the hotel and sleep. Well, I wanted to just hustle, and part of what was going on. So what I did is I would drive all that time, get to the venue, load the truck, and I loved my buddy Aaron before he even knew, and he said he feels the same way, um, but I'm pretty sure I loved him before he loved me. Um, uh, but he <laughs> needed a drum tech. He needed, he, they, they didn't hire a drum tech for him and everybody else had a tech. Um, and I just started saying, Hey man, let me, let me help you set up the drums. Let me, uh, let me, let me, let me take care of this for you. And he was endorsed by a different drum company at the time, uh, than he is now. And he, he, he obliged. He said, all right, man, here, this is how I want it set up. And he showed me how to set it up. And like I said, I'd already been doing production and set up for other bands now for, you know, six years, six, seven years. I'd already been doing it myself like for a band I was in and then working for other bands. So I, I knew the, aspect, the technical aspects of things. It's just I needed to get to know more or less like what his, like, you know, what, what artist wanted. And just showed me one time. And so every day on that tour, it was drive anywhere between nine to 14, 15 hours a night, get the venue, set up the drums, go to the hotel and sleep. And at that time I had a buddy <laughs> named Gerald that drove the bus. And if we were at somewhere, if we were somewhere cool, we would go out to eat somewhere awesome or go, you know, what do something cool within the town, uh, you know, that, you know, be touristy, I guess. And then we go back to the hotel and sleep. And then when the boys got finished playing, I'd grab a taxi back to the venue and you know, get, get in there, break down the drums, load up the truck, and we'll take off. Um, and this was uh, this was back in 06, 07. I didn't have an iPhone yet. Um, you know, iPhones were a luxury at that. And some of those boys had them, but I'm McNally the whole time. I mean, for my first days of touring all the way up to then, I was using a map. So it was all manual, you know. It was really, really, it was raw touring. Um, and then after that, 
Aaron and I re- remained friends. He asked me to come help out with the almost. Um, after, you know, the almost, uh, it, the band he had, he, he had some boys that were uh, um, super excited to, to get out on the road. We shared a bus with another band called Emory, and, and we stayed out with you know them. We, we did that for a few months, and then Aaron and I just kind of kept in touch, and we've, we've seen the ends of life with each other. Um, we've been best friends and brothers now for – um, going on, oh man, shoot, 16, better part of 16 years. Um, seeing a lot of miles together. We've traveled the world together. Um, hey, hey Riley. Seeing those boys in under oath, like we're, we're, we're brothers. You, there's, there's not much that you can. Yes, sir. Hey, so no, I just, I literally have one or two minutes. Yes, sir. And, well, Okay, I literally, you, you, I have one minute for you. This one just came in on social media. What's it like for you to share a bus with six other guys? Twelve guys, dude. <laughs> Twelve. Twelve guys. It's not six guys. It's, we got crew, too. Uh, Twelve with 12 guys, you know what? Since we're called from cut from the same cloth and we all are used to raising babies and being in close proximity to other people, and we all know children are some of the worst roommates sometimes, um, <laughs> you know, you just learn how to be, you know, just courteous and kind and allow everyone to have space. I'm the bigger guy, so I'm always asking for space if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Hey Riley, will you will you stay with me and we'll come back in ten minutes right after commercial break? Will you hang out with me for another twenty five minutes? I sure will, brother. Outstanding. Hey everybody, this is Johnny D, the motivational cowboy, telling you be safe, have fun, and we'll see you in a few minutes.